welcome back again. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast, and I am the Reverend Nate Johnstone. And I am the Reverend Paul Anderson. I don't know why. I, I don't know why you did either. The titles, we don't usually do that. Nate and Paul will suffice. Um, we, we've been talking about the history of revival in Come America, on. and it is... So exciting to me. And We're we, both excited. We could do a 30-week. <laughs> we could just do a whole new podcast, Revival in America. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should just do that. Um, there's so many great mm. stories. So we, we talked we, very briefly about the Azusa Street movement and the Pentecostal movement that was birthed out of that, mm-hmm. um, which led to the massive missionary movement of the early 1900s, which uh, persists to this day. I mean... Groups like YWAM and, and all those kind of groups come out of these roots. Yes. And so it's we're talking about incredible and wonderful things. And there were many, though, that said no thanks Sadly. when it came to the Pentecostal movement. And we we talked about how that was some of that was definitely racially motivated. There, you know, a lot of racism. This was the Jim Crow days. You know, if I had been a pastor back then, I could not have gone down and invited him out to dinner. Mm-hmm. And at least not to a restaurant, because he wouldn't have been allowed in the same restaurants I would have been allowed in. Mm-hmm. That I can't even fathom that kind of a place. We were there, but that was it. Mm-hmm. That's where we were a very, very short time ago. This yes. is 113 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's not a long time. No, I met a lady once who was 111. So, <laughs> like, that's not that long ago. Um, and, and so there were some people who said no for that reason. There were some reason, some people who said no for theological reasons, speaking in tongues. I don't know. We've done without it for so long. Do we really need it? I feel like maybe no. And so some, some of them had theological issues, but whatever the issues were, the Pentecostal church bloomed mm-hmm. and others, it, 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 would you say there was a pretty strong divide between you're either this or you're not? Oh, absolutely. Um, and then... Something happened. Some Something. things started to change. Talk about that. Yes, they did. And they started to change roughly a half a century later. And during the decade that was one of the worst in recent American history, it started with the Kennedy assassination in November 20. 2nd, 1963, at 12.30 p.m. in Dallas. If you're my age, you know where you were yeah. at that time. I I was on the UCLA campus, and I could take you to the 55 to 75, heard about it. It and it took shock. out 58,000 of our soldiers. Sadly, when they came home, those who survived, they found out that they weren't heroes. We know that Grandpa Phil was a hero. He was a World War II hero. He was an Iwo Jima. He wears his hat, and people thank him for serving. But that isn't the reception that people got who came home from the Vietnam War. And it's estimated that that number, 58,000, committed suicide. At least. Yeah, at least. And so it was a very sad, tragic time in American history. And then you got Dr. Timothy Leary from Harvard University telling students to tune in, turn on, and drop out. And they were doing it by their truckloads, dropping out, and they wanted to make love, not war. Mm -hmm. And so between 75 and 100,000 of them 
showed up in 1967 at Haight-Asbury in San Francisco to make love and to get high on psychedelic drugs. And uh, my, can you imagine the number of moms and dads and grandparents who are crying out to God for their children who have fallen off the wagon? Mm-hmm. And God answered in two ways, and I'm very close to both, mm-hmm. close to the charismatic renewal, because one of the earliest in the 60s was my mentor, Larry Christensen, who in August of 1961 went to a church down the street from us. We were at Trinity Lutheran, and he went to Bethany Foursquare Church because there were some former Lutherans who were speaking on the Holy Spirit, and he had a free Thursday night, and so he went. Heard a message and decided to go up for prayer, had prayer, came home, went to bed, woke up at midnight, spoke in tongues for 10 seconds, (laughs) and went back to sleep. He didn't know that Nordis was awake and thought, she wondered if my husband had gone crazy. (laughs) But... That was it. What he didn't know was that God was doing that all around the country and all around the world, filling people with his Holy Spirit. Hmm. And what Larry chose to do with that was not to share it with the congregation, but simply to bring in people one at a time and share with them the theology, as he understood it, of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, and then his experience of the Holy Spirit, and inviting them to say yes to the Holy Spirit. That was wisdom. Mm -hmm. So that by next Easter, the majority of the church was on board, and he preached on renewal and resurrection. Mm. And it was seamless. The congregation... Moved. There was no, no split, as we sometimes heard about. Excuse me. We sometimes hear about the splits that happened because of the work of the Holy Spirit, not there at Trinity, because of, I believe, the wisdom that Larry used. I didn't know Larry, but a year later, <clears throat> I was graduating from high school, and then I spent the summer getting ready to go to college, and I went up to Camp Seeley. And some of those people (laughs) were there, yes, quote-unquote, including Pastor Alan Hansen and including uh, Herb Murud, Mm. who was a revival speaker. Mm -hmm. And he was kicked out of the Lutheran Church for his revival emphasis, for his emphasis on the Holy Spirit and on healing, very sadly. But he was there at that camp, and something was stirring in my heart. And so I went up to Pastor Allen, and I said, I'd like you to pray with me. And he said, fine, let's do that tomorrow. It was late at night. The adults had gone to bed, and the only people around were high school kids or young adults like myself. And I wasn't a pushy kid, but I said, I'd really like you to pray for me tonight. He said, okay. So I rounded up 20 kids, and we went out by the pool at Camp Seeley, and he talked to us about the Holy Spirit. As he did, my heart was burning. Now, Hmm. my dad, I 
I'd heard my dad, I know, give sermons on the Holy Spirit, but I wasn't ready, and I, I hadn't wasn't ready to embrace this work. But my heart was prepared. God prepared me. And uh, Alan said then, uh, we're just going to go around and place our hands on you and pray for you, and you can speak in tongues if you want to. Mm -hmm. It was about that direct. <laughs> And uh, nothing where he was uh, trying to uh, move our tongue or do something sure. crazy. He was just very gentle. gentle. Yeah. And he started at the other side. And as he started to pray and move around, I could see people responding. And I was getting excited. And I wanted to say, hurry up, Alan. And so he got around to me, put his hands on me, prayed, and I'll tell you, Nate, I knew if I opened my mouth, I'd speak in tongues. God gave me that confidence, and I did. I, I spoke in tongues and uh, ran back, woke up my parents. It was probably 11 or so, 11.30. I woke them up, and I told them what happened. And they said, that is so wonderful. I'm so thankful for their gentle response. Mm. I mean, they're... And they then later on entered in, as, as did all my sisters. Interesting. So your, your parents were not filled with the Spirit. Now, real quick aside, when we say filled with the Spirit, all Christians are filled with the Spirit of God. That's not mm -hmm. what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, something else called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's what John the Baptist called it. The baptism of fire is what Jesus called it. Um, it's being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit in, in a different way mm -hmm. more complete maybe way um but all christians have the spirit of god living inside okay unpause um so your parents were not quote-unquote spirit filled but they still responded positively it's so wonderful that's really humble i mean it, that because for something outside of your experience to have with one of your kids my i know that it would be hard for me not to be like whoa 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 Andrew, my oldest son, what is, what are you doing? What is happening? This is not part of my experience. I'd be concerned, you know? Yes. That, that also shows that they had a great trust in you for your own judgment of following the Lord. And I think a trust in Alan. Alan and, mm, and yeah. uh, my dad uh, were friends. That for and sure so helps, yeah. uh, both of those things Interesting. helped. And that experience prepared me for college in a mm -hmm. wonderful way. It braced me for what I was going to experience in college and seminary. So I'm very thankful for the, for the timing of that. And it was happening in the 60s all around the country, all around the world. In 1967, Duquesne uh, University, the Spirit of God fell on the Catholics. And they had a celebration of that. Uh, the 50th anniversary a couple years ago, and I got to be one of the speakers hmm. for that 50-year anniversary uh, of the outpouring at Duquesne. Yeah, it, so, hit the, it hit the Catholic Church pretty early as, yes. as well. Yeah. And in in virtually every major denomination, God was pouring out His Spirit kindly after they had rejected it, Hmm. And then in 1906 and what followed, God was giving them another opportunity to say yes to the empowering presence. And so it was happening everywhere around the world. And of course, this was of concern 
in the American Lutheran Church. Mm-hmm. And there were perhaps two suppositions that they had, which encouraged them to send people out, a, a psychiatrist to Trinity, San Pedro. Trinity was one of the centers of this. North Heights was mm-hmm. was a strong center, a lot, much larger church. But in terms of and way, leadership... And Way of the Cross in the Twin Cities, which had been a Lutheran church. Yes. And then, I, I, I don't want to misspeak, I don't know if they were, if they left voluntarily or if they were encouraged to do that. I'm not actually sure. Don did not leave voluntarily. He didn't. He, okay. Don Fotenhauer, he was, he was booted out. Yeah, very. Yeah. I very consider sudden. myself, considering my age, I consider myself very fortunate to have been able to meet all three of those guys. Yes. Yeah. So, the American Lutheran Church they sent Dr. Paul Qualbin out to Trinity to investigate, and. They expected to find emotionally unstable people, and they expected that this thing would just pass. So they interviewed Bud Hahn and Bob Scott. They interviewed the wrong two people (laughs) because these are two men, businessmen, happy, well, well married with strong kids. Very sensible. And yes, highly, yeah, really sensible. And if they'd wanted a couple nutcakes, I probably could have found a couple for them. <laughs> but these were not they. And they were surprised. They said that they're level-headed, they're happy, they're well-adjusted, just like their mentor, Larry. And the second thing that didn't happen, that didn't fade away, in fact, that same year, this was 1972, Norris Wogan and Morris Vagnus, Norris and Morris, they got together and they planned a Holy Spirit conference, which was called a Lutheran conference, but as we know, all kind of denominations came to it. And the ALC thought it was going to go away. 9,000 people showed up. Mm-hmm. They were, they, they stepped out in faith and rented the Minneapolis Convention mm-hmm. Center. And 9,000 people came. And as you know what happened after that, the crowds got bigger. Went from 9,000 up to 15,000 that came to this yearly conference to rejoice in the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Father. We believe in the Son. And we believe in a bird that landed on the sun's shoulder one time. <laughs> yes, yes, is how it often goes in people's actual thought, because a, a lot of it was just, I think, a lack of teaching on the Holy Spirit. Don't you think? Like a, for a lot of people, it's oh, like, oh, absolutely. Well, that's I've I've never heard much about the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Is he still around? Did he retire? You know, <laughs> tell me about him. Well, it turns out. The New Testament is full of stuff about the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament was full of stuff about the Holy Spirit. Just, I don't know. People stop talking about him. Yeah. Which is sad because I've gotten to know him and he's pretty awesome. Mm. I, I went to Arizona. I, had, I think I had met this guy named Graham Sellers. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, he called me up. By this time, I was in Minnesota, and he said, Paul, we'd like you to come and 
talk to us about the Holy Spirit. And then he said, just so you know, we want it all. Now, that was good to hear because I would go to some places and I could tell that the pastor was a little nervous. You know, what, what's going to happen? Is this the end? I, I, hope, I hope it doesn't split the church. Well, because so, there are realities. If, if the five top giving families all decide they hate me now, I might be out of a job. Yeah. So Graham uh, got a call from Howie Wenis, the bishop. I knew Howie. And Howie was a good guy. Howie, I would say, respected what God was doing in San Pedro. I think he respected Larry. I think he respected me. We, we had a strong youth group, and we had uh, a church that participated in the life of the Lutheran church in the area. We were solid Lutherans. <clears throat> but this whole charismatic thing. And so Howie called Graham and he said, you're not getting charismatic, are you? And here was Graham's answer. I've quoted Graham many times. He said, Howie, if it's in the book, we want it. If it's not in the book, we don't want it. That it's, kind of it's hard ended, to argue. That. <laughs> that ended that discussion. You know, what do you, what do you say? So, I did come, and he got it, and that congregation is a strong, spirit-anointed yeah, yeah. congregation. So <clears throat> we would say to those who are listening that it's in the book, that the, the power of the Spirit for, for you to walk in the strength of the Lord both to experience the fruit of the Spirit, the supernatural character of Jesus, and the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural ministry of Jesus, that those are available to us all. We can't mm -hmm. understand the Word of God except the Holy Spirit help us understand it because the Holy Spirit wrote the book, for goodness sake. So he knows how this works. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I my history with the charismatic renewal doesn't go back nearly as far, but are you saying I'm an was, old man? You are my elder. Okay. <laughs> whom I respect dearly. Um, but I went to Concordia Academy high school, which is a uh, Lutheran high school. It was Missouri Synod sponsored at the time. And a couple people went to North Heights, mm -hmm. but very few at the time. Um, I was the weird Pentecostal tongue speaking type in, mm -hmm. in my high school class. Um, and my friends knew it and others knew it. I didn't run around yelling in tongues in hallways or anything like that. But um, someone said, Oh, you know, my parents started going to this church, North Heights. I think you might like it. And I was like, Isn't that a place Lutheran? And she was like, Yeah, but it's pretty cool. I don't know. You should come. And I didn't want to like be rude. Mm -hmm. or, or be like prejudiced, but I was super prejudiced. Okay. Um, because <laughs> again, I had gone to, I had gone to schools since I was four years old. I had been in schools where this is not okay. We know you, we like you, you like Jesus. So we're going to look the other way, Nate, but we don't agree with any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was not just unspoken. It was spoken. <laughs> yes. Except by the pastor's wife in the grade school I went to. Who pulled me aside 
and prophesied to me. The wife of a Missouri Synod pastor. Oh, my. Who is not allowed to speak (laughs) in church herself. Pulled me aside and said, you are called to be a pastor, young man. And I was like, I don't think so. Thinking she (laughs) means like my, like my husband. And she said, I know you're not this, this, this kind of a Christian and that's okay, but you need to listen to God and God is calling you to be a pastor. She was the first person in my whole life who told me that. My, how cool is that? And I never forgot it. And when I see her in heaven, I'm going to give her a big hug because you were right, Kale. I'm I'm a a Christian. So uh, I went to this conference they were having. It was right after I graduated from high school Mm -hmm. um, called the Holy Spirit Conference. I'm like, that sounds like a good name at least. Mm -hmm. But I had never met a charismatic Lutheran. I didn't know what charismatic meant. Um, And so I went and I walked in the back of the room, Arden Hills Sanctuary, full of people. There's people running around with flags. Everybody's dancing. And there's a guy on stage who looks just like Jimmy Stewart. And he's hopping up and down. <laughs> and for those of you who remember back in the day, Paul Anderson with black hair, man, did he look like Jimmy Stewart. He even sounded like Jimmy Stewart. And I was like, Jimmy Stewart is alive in Pentecostal. <laughs> and I did not know. And so I sat in the back with two friends. And right away... I felt repentant, not because the Holy Spirit was moving in the room, but because I realized that I had been judging a group of people based on a label Mm. that wasn't fair to do because I was obviously wrong. Yeah. Because there was joy in that room and people loved Jesus and they were worshiping the Lord. And it was like an old song, like a song that to me was not cool. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they were praising the Lord to it. And like a Gaither song or something, you know, <laughs> and they're just all into it. And I'm like, okay, that's cool, man. Um, and the, uh, was it Leonard Ravenhill? He didn't come to our It conference. wasn't Ravenhill. It was uh, Francis Frangipan who was talking about Leonard Ravenhill. Mm. And see, this is after I had been 17 already. So it was the previous summer that the Lord had spoken to me about revival. And so now this guy from Iowa was up there who I had never heard of before, but he's talking about Leonard Ravenhill, who he knew. And he saw speak, and, and I'm like, I'm listening now. Yeah. I'm like, these people have got something. They're going in the same direction I'm going. Mm-hmm. We came from a different place. We have different roots, different clothes, but like we're going in the same direction. This is really interesting. And so I was like, okay, I've, I've been schooled. I've been taught. I've learned something. Um, and then I, when I went to St. Olaf College and realized they were not very Christian, Mm-hmm. both from administration, staff, student body. Um, but some of them were quite Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought to myself, I know who I'm going to call. I'm going to call those people at North Heights and find out who is who are those people who did the Holy Spirit Conference. And I'm going to see if they can help me out in this Lutheran school. Mm. So sophomore year, I got a hold of Dan Siemens. Okay. And I talked to him a couple times. And he, I think he drove down actually all the way to Northfield and met with me. And then he's like, I'm going to talk to Paul and have him come down and speak. Oh, cool. So then you came and spoke. Oh, I like that story. And that was the first time we had, we worked together mm. um, my sophomore year. I cool. was organizing conferences at the time because I'm like, hey, this conference thing sounds fun. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, so that was my first experience with the charismatic renewal. And I am, I'm so blessed to have had the Holy Spirit bring me across Lutheran renewal because 
for me, it was a perfect merging of the foundational trust and faith in scripture along with the radical empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because in some of the churches I had grown up in, maybe not so much the churches, but like the scene, Mm -hmm. you know, you go to the conferences and go to the scene in some of those places. um, And people would say things and I'm like, I don't feel like that's biblical. Mm-hmm. And they didn't seem to care. And they'd say something and I'd be like, I think Paul said the opposite of that. Actually, I know what you're trying to say, but no. And, and, and that bothered me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got into Lutheran Renewal and started getting to know everyone and reading stuff and read some of your stuff, and I was like, this is, this has got all of the scriptural foundation of like a strong evangelical build plus the historicity of the Lutheran church, which has a, a, a good, valuable heritage. I've always been a Martin Luther fan. And merges that with the empowerment and filling of the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't think that existed. Mm-hmm. I always wanted it to exist because mm-hmm. that's what I felt like I was. Yes. People would say, what are you? Oh, I'm evangelical and charismatic. I know, it's weird. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm both. I'm this weird hybrid thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know there were other people who were both. <laughs> yeah. And so when I found the charismatic movement, it was like, this is the home I never knew I had. That's so cool. And it was a really cool feeling. That is so cool. And it still is. That sounds like the book that came out of the vineyard. I don't know the author, but it was called Empowered Evangelicals. Mm, and he was talking title. about that very matter of people that... Uh, are happy to be evangelicals. And I was one of those. I went to Dallas Seminary. Mm -hmm. And I loved the two years that I had. You know the story? Uh, uh, I met Gary at Dallas. And and we became, right off the bat, we were two of a kind. And so we spent a lot of time together. And he told me early on, he said, Paul, uh, just be careful because that's of the devil. Uh, I, Gary, I hope you don't mind that I share this. I don't think you Talking will. Talking about speaking in tongues. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, okay, Gary, I'll be careful. A year later, we were traveling out in California. We were, we were doing a vacation together. And he said three words, okay, I'm ready. That's all he said. Hmm. I, you, I, you I, knew, knew, I knew what he meant. Cool. And I prayed for him and... He stepped in to the fullness of the life of the Spirit as I understood it. As... And mentored me into it when I was at St. Olaf. That's so cool. And I didn't know you and Gary knew each other when I called you down <laughs> to St. Olaf. Because Gary came to the conference. I'm like, you know this guy? <laughs> like, know this guy? He was in my wedding. At, you know, our firstborn sons are the same name. I mean, everything. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. So and, and I want to just point out before we close that I like the example you just gave of you, Paul, in how you ministered to Gary is that you didn't push him. You didn't try to win him over. You didn't debate him every Thursday night mm-hmm. with the points you had prepared. You just lived the life of the spirit in his presence. Mm-hmm. And he eventually saw that and he eventually hum- humbled himself to the point where he said, okay, God, if this were of you, I would be okay with it. At which point God said, well, watch Paul and you tell me if it looks like it's of me. And then he was like, okay, I want that. 
Yeah. And I think that's a great example to all of us because sometimes we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a zeal. We have a passion. And I, I was guilty of this in college where then I was a little too maybe forceful towards other people. No, you gotta, you, this is so awesome. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And like, there are a couple instances where I wish I had been more gentle and just been like, okay, we can disagree. That's fine. We both love Jesus. Later, my last couple of years at St. Olaf, I was like that. Mm-hmm. You know, but at first mm-hmm. I was a little, a little passionate, I guess you could say. And I think there were a couple of people that I pushed away. Yeah. Um, one of whom uh, was my roommate mm. who was, you know, by the end of rooming with me, not interested in God, mm. um, which at the time, just very pridefully, I was like, that's him. And later I was like, that's because of me. Mm. It's because I didn't, I didn't do a real good job at loving. Mm-hmm. I did a good job at judging mm. and trying to debate. Yeah. And I didn't, I did a poor job at, at being like Jesus. Mm-hmm. I was trying to convince someone of Jesus. Yeah. It didn't work. Uh, I later learned that he was a hardcore Christian following God, working at a Christian school and everything. So praise God. Yes. He brought other people into his life and mm-hmm. and made up for my failures. But Good. he probably tells stories about how somebody pushed him away. <laughs> so guy. don't don't do what that Nate guy did in college. And I would own up to that because that was true. I was just at a camp. It's called uh, the Murud. Uh, Herb Herb, Herb, After Herb, Herb was a lawyer. He was a pastor in Lutheran Church. Then he was kicked out, and then he continued to do revival work around the country and around the world. And uh, I had the joy of sharing about the Holy Spirit at the camp, and I invited people. I said, you know, this isn't something for certain group of people. This is for anyone who wants to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's very simple. Bible says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who yeah. ask? And so I said, I particularly like to minister to young people. And I knew that there were some high school kids there. So I said, if you're in high school and you want to come up, you just meet over there on the floor and I'll, I'll see you over there. And there were three uh, young guys, probably two in high school and one in college. And I just talked about the Holy Spirit. I said, the way we receive is by asking and then believing that we have and just stepping into it, beginning. You know, the Holy Spirit is not uh, uh, blasphemed if we begin making sounds. That's what we do to move in faith into the life of the Spirit. And so I talked to them, we prayed, and they entered right in. I was blessed. And then I got a chance to do it with other people at the camp. So I just want to say before we uh, wrap up this session that that is available to you. And if this Mm -hmm. is something that you've desired, maybe you even were prayed for it and you felt I didn't receive it. I'm telling you, you probably did. And my, I'd love to talk with you if... uh, Get my telephone number six one two. Well, there you can e- you can email us. Okay, uh, at the end of the podcast, we list our email. Go ahead and send an email, and I will make sure Paul gets that. Then you may give your phone number. Good. I'm looking out for your wife. Here. Thank yes. you, <laughs> thank you. 
We'd love to pray with you. And so I look forward to hearing from some of you that desire that. How's that? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Signing off for now. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.